Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at our lesson, lesson number 5, and it'll be on developing a prayer life. And so, just very basic discipleship lessons, but sometimes it's good to be reminded of those things that perhaps you learned 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and it's just good to be refreshed in some of the scripture. And also, it's wonderful to be able to answer other people and be able to help others in their walk with God. So Hebrews chapter 4, we'll look there. We'll look at several scriptures tonight. I'd encourage you to have your pen out and fill in some blanks. And the scriptures are are in your notes. They are not written out, but the references are there. And you can look those up if you choose to follow up when you go home tonight or sometime this week. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of coming into your throne room. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us Uh, to make sure that our hearts are clean, that we are worthy of that wonderful calling. I pray you bless this time in your word tonight. Teach us and speak to us, we pray. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, prayer is a wonderful privilege. Think about that, that we get to talk to God, the creator and sustainer of all that is. And if there's any burden that you have upon your heart, it's not too small for God. And that's, that's the amazing thing, is that it doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is, The Bible says that God cares for us, and so we have the wonderful privilege of prayer. So let's jump right in. There's a lot to cover tonight, and so we'll move very quickly. to Roman number one, prayer is an invitation. Prayer is an invitation. Understand this, we can go boldly to the throne room of grace, but it's because of what Jesus has done, only because we are covered in the blood of Christ. We could not enter in a sinful state, and so because we are forgiven and washed by his blood, we have the privilege to go into the throne room of grace. The Bible says, we just read, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. We don't go boldly, we come. That means at the behest of an invitation, we have been asked to come to his presence that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Not only does God invite us into his presence, he also tells us to bring things in this invitation. Letter A, we just understand this, that prayer is talking to God. We have been invited to this meeting that we can talk to God. Sometimes people worry about what they say when they pray. You ought not worry. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit searcheth our hearts. For we know not how we ought to pray, but he prays on our behalf. That's so true. A lot of times when we don't know what to pray, Just bow before the Lord in His presence and know that the Spirit of God is searching your heart. It's an attitude of prayer that's important. Letter B, prayer is asking for our needs. I remember reading a book years ago by John R. Rice just on prayer, and he just simply said, prayer is asking. That's all it was. It was such a simple book, and John R. Rice was a simple writer, but prayer is asking. God cares about every need that we have. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? 
The verse itself is not about prayer, but it's in the Beatitudes, and Jesus is just telling us how important we are to God. He cares about our smallest need. Even the sparrow that falls, he sees, and how much more important we are than they are. So it's important to understand that when we are asking for the things that we need, understand we have a God that cares about us. I, I, I was, uh, I, I guess I never really understood. I worked in grocery stores when I was a kid, a teenager, and right through until I, several years after starting pastoring, I worked two jobs. And, and so I worked at a grocery store in Burlington as well. And I never really understood marketing until I had children. I didn't understand why they put certain things where they did. I just knew that's where they were. And if I restocked it, I put it there. But then I realized those guys are geniuses because all the chocolate bars are right at the checkout stand where the kids can reach them. Did you guys have that problem? Your kids were perfect, right? And they'd be reaching for those. Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have? And it was easy a lot of times to say, no, you, you can't have that. That's not, it's not going to be good for you. And uh, Bethany was the one that never asked. We'd get up there and we'd already be in the cart. The other kids would say, can I have one of these? Beth would just be taking them and throwing them in the cart like this. And we'd get up and say, where did all this come from? And, uh, but there was times where the kids would come to us and say, Dad, I, I need a pair of pants. Or I need something for school. And it was different if they needed it. God knows our needs. And he blesses us with a lot of our wants too. He, he gives us a lot of things we don't really need. But prayer is asking for our needs. Going and asking for our daily bread. And we can be assured when we ask that God hears us. First John 5.14 And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That's important, isn't it? According to his will. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 4 that we have not because we ask amiss. And we want to consume it upon our own lusts. But when we ask according to God's will, he hears us and he knows what our needs are. And God also cares about our troubles. 1 Peter chapter 5 encourages us to cast all our care upon him, for he careth for you. So prayer is asking for our needs. Man, I can't turn my page. Bear with me, I'm trying. Okay, there we go. The next thing we see is God desires to grant our requests. God wants to answer our prayers. The problem is it's not always the answer that we want. God wants to answer, but it's not always what we want. Matthew 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We claim these promises like we can just go to the bank and take out money. But that's not what God is saying. God often answers our prayers, but sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not now. Sometimes he says that's not best for you. But he always answers. He hears us, and he answers us. But we have to be willing to accept the answer. That's sometimes the biggest struggle we have is conforming our will to his. Even the Lord Jesus Christ showed us when he prayed, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When, he, when the Lord gave us the model prayer, he said, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to conform to his will through prayer. Prayer is not asking God to change things on our behalf, but instead to change our heart to match his will. And so we accept whatever God's will is for our lives. Your needs may be physical, financial, emotional, or spiritual, but in every case, 
God wants us to bring our needs to Him in prayer. I believe that when God sees a genuine need in our lives and we express it to Him in prayer, He always takes care of us. Not only is prayer an invitation, number two, prayer is a command. Prayer is a command. Not only does He invite us to pray, He tells us to pray. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. That means once you start, don't stop. I don't believe that means that we are always on our knees and on our face 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But we're always in an open communication with the Lord. Always being able to talk to Him. We have people in our home that we can talk to at any time. And uh, people in the workplace that you can just turn and talk to. They're always there. Keep that open communication with the Lord. In other words, don't do things to hinder it. We're going to look at that in just a few moments of what it means to hinder our prayer lives. Don't allow those things to come between you. Have you, ever, have you ever got the silent treatment from somebody? Ever got that? Brother Axler, are you talking about your wife? I don't know. <laughs> you get that silent treatment, and sometimes you don't even know you did anything, but then you talk to somebody and they just kind of, mm-hmm. They don't give you a big solid response. You wonder, ah, something's wrong. I'm getting the silent treatment. Sometimes it's nice. I'll just be honest with you. Get the silent treatment for a couple hours, but... But we can identify that something is wrong when we don't communicate. We know that something is wrong in our relationship with God when we have stopped that communication, when we don't have an open line to God. In fact, think about this. God even assumes that we will pray. When Jesus instructed his disciples concerning prayer, he said this, when ye pray, not if ye pray. He just assumed that they would pray. He said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ never taught the disciples how to preach. He never taught them how to evangelize. He taught them how to pray. He told them to go and preach, and he told them to go and evangelize. But they just learned by watching him. But Jesus took time to teach the disciples how to pray. That's how important it was that he would take time to do that. So how should we pray? There's 10 things here I'm going to give you. And this is where we'll have to move quickly or we'll get bogged down. Number Letter A, pray regularly. Make it a habit. The best way to develop a meaningful prayer life is to pray on a regular, daily basis. You say, well, I, I'm not very good at it. You'll get better at it, just like everything else. And, and here's the thing. It's not a contest. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. But you'll learn over time how to submit yourselves in prayer. And you'll learn how to, to ask according to God's will. And you'll read something in the Bible and say, well, that'll, that ought to change my prayer life a little bit. And so you will improve at it. Uh, but it doesn't matter the words you say. It's a matter of just that you talk to God. You know, it's, it's funny. Those uh, little ones we, we have in the school, we have four-year-olds here this year. And some of them, they're hard to understand. These little kids, you know, and I'll pop in that class. And, and uh, Isabella Patterson, she will not talk to me. I have tried to get her to even just say hi. And, I, and I, I, I don't take it personally because they told me that she won't talk to Adam either, and that's her uncle. He's just a big guy, and she's intimidated by him, and she just won't talk to him. And, and he says, it took me two years just to get her to say hi to me, Pastor, so don't feel bad. But I, I try to get her, and she won't talk to me. But then 
Toby Baker, he never shuts up. He comes running up to me when he sees me and he wants to tell me a story and I don't understand a word of it. But that doesn't stop him from trying to tell me anyway. And he tries to communicate and he'll draw me a little picture and give it to me in church as a gift, you know, and some of you've got those little things. He'll, he'll run around and just hand them out randomly. And one night he had a stack of them like this and Timmy was walking around and he was trying to get rid of them. He says, I can't get home, go home until I get rid of all these things, he says. So he's just handing them to everybody. He's just trying to get rid of his brother's picture. But it's still important to them. And because it's important to them, I love to listen to them. They're, they're so funny, the, the stories they tell, you know. And uh, I sometimes think God is like that with me. Even though I don't know how to speak right or I can't communicate what I'm, what's going on in my heart, God still loves me and he wants to listen to me. He wants to hear what I have to say. And he searches my heart anyway. So pray regularly. Psalm chapter 5 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. David says, I pray every morning. We know Daniel prayed three times a day. Prayer is not something we run to only in times of emergency. It is to be our regular communication with God. It's not just when you need them. You, ever, you have somebody in your life that when their number comes up on the call display, you'll know that it's because they need something. I, I got a preacher that I know that every time he calls, I know he wants something. He needs something. He needs to borrow something from the church that we have. And and I understand in ministry you need to do that sometimes, but never calls to say, hey, how you doing? And it's always, I need something. Let's not be like that with God. Number two, pray or letter B, pray continually. Although having a regular established prayer time is important, we can, we can and we should pray at any time in any place. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Colossians 4, we already read, says, continue in prayer. And so, that, again, not necessarily on our knees all the time, on our face before God, but having a constant line of communication with God that we can have an attitude of prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So pray continually. Letter C is probably one of the most important things when it comes to prayer. Pray with faith. Pray with faith. We need to believe as we pray. Pray knowing that your Heavenly Father wants to help you. He wants you to pray. He wants to hear your requests and He will do what is best for you. Hebrews 11 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Matthew 21, 22, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So pray with faith. It doesn't mean God's always going to say yes. He may say no. But if you want an answer, ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Letter D, pray with the right motives. I shared this verse with you a few minutes ago. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. When you pray, what is the motive behind it? Is it just so you can get more? Or is it so you can bring glory to God with your life? God wants us to bring our personal and family needs to Him, but asking for our needs is different than asking about selfish motives. We are to say, give us this day our daily bread. That is a need. 
We, we ask God to supply for everything according to his riches and glory. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not, I'm not part of that, that word of faith crowd. That name it and claim it and saying, God, give me a mansion or give me a 16,000 square foot house or give me a Mercedes Benz and all those things. If God has blessed you with that, that's fine. But I, I don't know that we need to go out and beg God for those riches. Listen, gold is just going to be pavement when you get to heaven. So don't worry about it. You'll have it all one day. Just trust God for your daily needs. So ask with the right motives. Letter E, pray according. Let me, let me just go back there for a minute. Years ago, we had a, uh, Brother Massacre had a financial seminar for, we had a lot of seniors in the church and they were wondering how to, they kept going to him and saying, what do I do? I, I got to change my RSPs to a riff and I don't know what to do. And had all these questions. So he brought in a, a Christian businessman that, that, had, uh, that was a financial guy. His name was Godfrey Apap. He was about 33 years old, but he had, was a born-again man. He went to a church in Burlington that we knew, and, and he came over to help us. But on that night, he was going into these investments and what to do with them and all the rest. And he said, so I've, I've invested here, and I've invested there, and I've diversified this. And he says, so when I am 55 years old, I will have approximately $33 million. And everybody went, what? And one lady in the back, she put up her hand, and she says, what are you doing for missions? Why are you hoarding all that money when there's missionaries that are trying to reach people with the gospel and starving to death in the process? What are we doing for Christ? So he had the wrong motive in his life. It'd be wonderful as a Christian if we could, if you can somehow, people are, some people are just good with money. If you can make that kind of money, but see people saved as a result and bring glory to God. Brother Roberts, what could you have done with that kind of money I mean, you could have built 10 churches in the Sioux, and you could have, I mean, imagine what you hired staff for each one of them. Incredible what, what we can do for God if we have the right motive. On to the next thing. Letter E. Pray according to God's will. God always answers our prayer, but his answers are not always yes. 1 John 5:14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. You know, I, I heard somebody say, you know, God loves me so much, he'll take care of my enemy, so I've just prayed that he'd kill that guy. That's not God's will. That's a malicious heart, it's what that is. And so we have to be careful to make sure we're praying in God's will. Luke 18, 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. We ought to pray seeking God and his will. Letter F, pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. We come to God under the authority of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We, we have no right to go to God. It's all because of what Jesus did for us. And we go in His name. The Bible says in John 14, 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. And the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's so many things that, that God has done for us because of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Because of Jesus, he has forgiven us. And because of Jesus, we can go to him in prayer. 
And so because of, of what Christ did in forgiving us and washing us in the blood, so pray in Jesus' name. You, you can't go to God and say, well, hey, uh, this is Al Fury, and Al Fury wants this. No, I'm praying because of well, what Jesus did. I'm asking in Jesus' name if you would do this. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Letter G, pray with other Christians. Pray with other Christians. The early church prayed together. Prayer with other Christians has a way of strengthening our faith and our boldness. And that's what we'll do tonight. In a few minutes, we'll break up, and I'll encourage you to pray one with another. It's important that we pray as a church. We pray Sundays as a church. We pray in services and corporately as a church, and sometimes have somebody pray to represent us before the Lord. Acts 1.14 says, They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Acts 2.42. By the way, it's hard for a church to fight one another if they're praying together. It's hard to, to gossip when you're praying. And so keep praying. One of the most amazing portions of scriptures in Acts chapter 1 where they stayed in the upper room for a whole week in one accord. They couldn't have been a Baptist church. All in one accord. But I believe it's because it was a prayer meeting. They were praying and seeking God. Acts 2.42, after the day of Pentecost, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Letter H, pray privately. Not only do we pray as a church, we pray privately. Have a private prayer time. Matthew chapter 6, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I read that little verse there, Matthew 6, 5, and 6, and I'm reminded, how many of you have seen the movie The War Room? Have you seen that? A great movie about prayer. And that lady had that closet, you remember that? And she taught that young lady that she was discipling to get a prayer closet. And so she did. And she, she wrote all over the wall, put paper up all over the walls, all her prayer requests. And I thought it was just a, such a, a great thing. She says, well, we, one thing we do well is she's talking about her marriage. She says, one thing we do well, she's, she says, we fight. We do that very well. And the older lady says, I don't think you do fight well. The best fighting you can do is on your knees and in a prayer closet. So pray privately. Let her eye pray earnestly. The opportunity and privilege of prayer is not something to be taken lightly. I was in a church service one time, and we try to limit this. I let people know not to do this, and something that we kind of behind the scenes you may not be aware of. But I've tried to tell people, I was in a church service one time, and uh, the pastor called on somebody to pray, and when Susie bowed and prayed, they started moving music stands around and they started walking around and he just stopped. He said, just a minute. He said, we're talking to God. We're, this isn't a time to be thumping music stands and moving around and getting to your next cue. He says, let's be still. Let's talk to God. So I try to tell people, don't be moving around during prayer on the platform. Don't worry about your next song. Just wait. Sometimes people do. They forget, you know, walk into their place or whatever. But we try to be quiet on the platform. We want to hear People pray. And so pray earnestly. It's an important time. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Matthew 6 says, When you pray, use not vain repetitions, 
as the heathen do, for they that think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. So not, not vain repetitions, but with an earnest heart and a fervent prayer. And number 10, or letter J, pray with a plan. Pray with a plan. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach, to teach them how to pray, in Luke chapter 11, he gave them a model for what to pray about. And so we'll pull that out of Matthew chapter 6. And I've just put it in there so you can see it all. And these verses are not given to us so that we just repeat them. How many of you watched the Queen's funeral? Some of you watched that and you caught the Lord's Prayer. And they have to recite that, you know, in the Anglican church. And, and so they recite that prayer. A lot of places we go. We used to say it in school when I was a kid. And, and, uh, and so we said, but that was never the intention. It was to teach us how to pray. That's what Jesus was doing for his disciples, teaching them. So look at the italicized parts of the verse, and then in plain text is the explanation. Our Father, which are in heaven. So pray in confidence of your relationship with the Father. We acknowledge God in our prayer. We come to the Father. Now, sometimes I'll hear people pray, and they'll say, Dear Jesus, that's not what we're supposed to do. Uh, we're supposed to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So well, aren't they one? Yes, they are. And God, I'm sure, forgives. And it's just, I'm a preacher, so I'm, I get hung up on words. But we are to pray to the Father. We're to go boldly to the throne of grace, to the Father, in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We worship God in our prayer time. We give thanks. Thy kingdom come. So we pray, wanting God's kingdom to be advanced. Maybe you pray for souls during that time. Asking God to see people saved. Praying for the church services on Sunday that God would impact our hearts and lives. You want God's kingdom to be advanced. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray with submission to God's will. That's sometimes the hardest thing that we pray for is submitting ourselves to God. Give us this day our daily bread so we ask God for our needs and take them to the Lord. Ask forgiveness, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So uh, don't harbor bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask God to help you overcome temptation. And then for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pray with a heart for God's glory to be advanced. And that's the purpose of our lives is to bring God glory. Now, I don't think this is in your notes, but write down the word acts. Just like the Acts of the Apostles, A-C-T-S. I'm going to give you an acrostic that may help. Some people find it helpful when they pray. The A stands for adoration. We worship God. We adore God. And so thank God for some things. Praise God for who He is. Tell Him how you th uh, thankful you are for His goodness, His holiness, etc. So adoration. C stands for confession. We take our sins to God. We confess them before them. T stands for thanksgiving. Thank God for the blessings in your life. The answers to prayer that he has given. And S stands for supplication. That's when we bring our requests before the Lord and we pour out our hearts for the needs of others as well. So as you begin to spend regular time in prayer, you'll find that your prayer life will grow. And then Roman numeral three tonight, prayer is fellowship with God. And that's that's something we really need to emphasize and understand. I think we get pretty good at the prayer as asking part. But we were created for fellowship with God. And so we must talk to Him and, and fellowship with Him. Prayer is not simply a method of, 
or a transaction between us and God. It's, it's not a, a method of getting things from God. It is also part of our communion with God, to have fellowship with Him. So letter A, we need to beware of hindrances to prayer. What hinders our prayer life? The Bible tells us of some specific ones. Number one, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin hinders our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I heard Pastor Sam Davidson one time preach on that verse. And uh, he said he was in a Christian bookstore with his wife. He said, I hate those places. He says, because of all the art. And he said, my wife wants to buy one every time we go. And he says, but I was looking at this one, and he said, there's a picture of a little boy kneeling beside his bread, and his daddy was there at night praying with him, putting him to bed. And he says, he was just, you know, beautiful painting. And he said, I looked at that, and I thought, man, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that, isn't that just wonderful, daddy praying to his son? And he says, then the thought crossed my mind. He says, I'm such a dark thinker. He says, the thought crossed my mind. What if it's an abomination to God what they're doing? Because the Bible says if we have iniquity in our heart, even our prayers become an abomination. He says, what if there's sin in their life? You know, that's, how, that's how I think. And, and it's true, though. That's the problem. Sometimes we have sin in our lives, unconfessed sin, unresolved problems with a brother, and it hinders our prayer life. Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Unforgiveness also hinders our prayers, number two. So unconfessed sin hinders our prayers, but unforgiveness hinders our prayers. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Second, or 1 Peter 3, 7 also supports that thought. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So unforgiveness, one with another, can hinder our prayers. It's, it's something, you know, we see people feuding, and then you see them at an altar, and you're hoping they're getting it right so they can get it right with each other. But sometimes they're just asking for other things. You wonder how can God honor that? Their sin and their feuding. And so number three, disregard for God's word hinders our prayers. Proverbs 28.9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer should be an abomination. If we're not listening to God, if we're not reading his Bible, if, we're not, if we've willfully turned our ear away from hearing the law, then our prayers are an abomination to God. And then how do we restore fellowship through prayer? Just one verse, it's very simple. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means He makes us fit to stand before God once again. It's just that simple to go to God. So we have to humble ourselves. Now the process may not be that simple. It takes some humility. Come to the Lord and say, Lord, I've messed up and I've sinned and I want to get my heart right and my life right with you. And so it, it takes humility to admit and confess our sins. But when we do, the forgiveness comes easy. As we come to him with an authentic, genuine heart of, of remorse and, and contrition and we seek God's face, he forgives us and cleanses us that we might stand before God again. And thankfully, God is always faithful to forgive us. 
So some application tonight, just two things. Number one, plan a regular prayer time. Schedule it. I'm, I'm the worst one, to be honest with you, to look at a calendar. Last year, I was asked to preach at Faithway Baptist College. And I got an email from Brother Wall that afternoon. He says, Brother Fury, I hope you're okay. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. What's going on? He goes, you're supposed to preach chapel this morning. And I went, oh, man. And honestly, I would put it on the wrong day. I would put it on the Monday instead of the Friday. And I, so I thought it was still coming up. But I, I'm not very good with calendars. And uh, I'm actually preaching this Friday at chapel. So I keep looking at my calendar every single day this time. I'm, I'm paranoid about it. And I kind of half expect Brother Wall to email me tomorrow and say, don't forget. But uh, I'm not very good with those things. But when it comes to prayer... We, we schedule a lot of other things, don't we? How many, how many of you remember a doctor's appointment if you didn't write it down? A lot of us wouldn't, wouldn't we? Because now the doctor's appointments are three months out. It's hard to get one. And so we don't, we don't remember those things. We don't, it's difficult for us. And so write it down, but schedule a prayer time. So I'm, I'm going to guard this time jealously. If it means getting up a little bit early, do it. If it means staying up a little later, do it. But plan a regular prayer time. Pray consistently requires a plan. Set aside a time. It'll change your life. You'll start looking forward to it. And then begin a prayer list. Write out things. Take that yellow prayer list you got home tonight with you, but have your own. Have a journal of some sort that you can write prayer requests down and remember them and take them to the Lord faithfully and regularly. Prayer is one of the greatest privileges we have, and, and I wonder if we use it like we ought to. I heard somebody put it this way one time. They asked Billy Graham, they said, when you preach to a stadium of 30,000 people, how much time do you spend in prayer? And he said this, he says, about the same amount as I always do. And they kind of scoffed at it and thought, well, that's, that's not a very good answer. You should really be preparing when you've got 30,000 people. But what they didn't know is that he spent on average three to four hours a day in prayer every day. He'd get up very early. In the, I don't know if he did it when he got older, but very, very early in the morning and pray for a couple hours and then another hour or so at night, every single night. And he stayed in a place of continuously being ready because he prayed without ceasing. I'm not endorsing the man or all of his doctrines that are different than mine, but you've you got to say that he impacted a lot of people for Christ. And it was because of a solid prayer life.